This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, dear radio friends. How in the world are you? You doing all right today? Well, I trust so. I've been praying that God might put his truth and blessing and love and power and goodness and compassion into all that I have to say to you. A human voice can convey a great deal, can it not? And I just want what I say and the way I say it to be blessed of God to you, beloved, right now. What I'm going to do is to start in the Gospel of Mark. We'll go verse by verse, as we always do, see what it says. Dr. Gray, who taught me many years ago at the Moody Bible Institute, used to say, find out what the Bible says. You'll have no difficulty with what it means. <laughs> so that's my, been my approach through these many years. We'll find out what it says, and then we'll see what it says to us, leading us to uh, obey. So that's a that's an interesting and challenging layout. Before we get into the text, we ought to think a little bit about the book itself. <clears throat> it was written by a man named Mark, who was the son of Mary of Jerusalem. His uh, name is called John Mark, actually, and he was related to Barnabas, who was his uncle. He was associated with Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey and uh, got cold feet there somewhere along the line and Acts 13, 13, which is probably the unluckiest verse in the New Testament, if you believe in luck, which I don't. <laughs> but uh, he uh, Acts 13, 13 said he, he departed from them, went back to Jerusalem. I can just see what happened. You know, he went to his uncle and says, uncle, I, my ulcers are kicking up something terrible. I don't believe I can stand this being on the road every day and every night. Uh, you think you could stake me to the fair back home? Well, Barnabas always was a soft touch. And so he probably helped the young man get back home again. I don't know whether it was homesickness or fear or a pair of brown eyes back there in Jerusalem or whatever it was, but anyhow, he quit. Paul had a hard time forgiving him. His rule was, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. And so when it came to a second journey later on, he said, nothing doing. He left us once. I'm not going to give him a chance to leave us twice. However, later on, Paul found out that John Mark was was valuable, and he said in Timothy, Bring Mark with you, for he is profitable, profitable to me for the ministry. Tradition says that Mark was a companion of Peter, and uh, some writers actually call the Gospel of Mark Peter's Gospel. Uh, certainly he may have furnished or suggested much of the material found in the book. The Life of Jesus is portrayed as crowded with benevolent deeds as Christ, the servant of God and man. And, uh, well, uh, some illustrations of that. His devotions were interrupted by crowds. There was no time to eat. Yielding to such perpetual calls for service, his friends said he was unbalanced. Even when he wanted to take a rest, they, they pursued him. Uh, always serving others' needs and serving God. This is the shortest of the four Gospels. The style, of course, is vivid and picturesque. Mark's key word is straightway, right away, get at it. 
And uh, much of the subject matter, obviously, is found also in Matthew and Luke, but not mere repetition, because it contains many details that aren't found in either of the others. A lot of personal touches are found in this gospel. It says he was with the wild beasts uh, during the days of his temptation. He surnamed James and John Boanerges, the sons of thunder. There was a point there where Mark said Jesus was much displeased. It said that people were amazed. The common people heard him gladly. And uh, when they uh, talked with him there in his home area, they said, Is not this the carpenter? This is all human nature writing, you know. The the human touch is found uh, with Mark. And although he emphasized Christ's divine power, he often alludes to his human feelings. He was disappointed. He was weary. He wondered at their unbelief. He sighed and his affection for others. Nineteen miracles are recorded in this short book, which demonstrate the the supernatural power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The book of Mark. Well, in Mark, Jesus demonstrates his divinity by overcoming disease, demons, and death. Although he had the power to be king of the earth, Jesus chose to obey the Father and to die for us. He is portrayed, as I said a moment ago, as the servant. As the Messiah, Jesus fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament by coming to earth. He didn't come as a conquering king. He came as a servant, helped mankind by telling them about God and healing them, and then by giving his life as a sacrifice for sin, God's Passover lamb. That was the ultimate act of service. Religious leaders opposed him. They saw him as a threat to their secure position as he exposed their uh, hypocrisy. Well, that's Mark. Now, I would suggest, dear friend, that you read the book of Mark. Not once, but several times. Uh, it's a short book, and you can read it through in a very short space of time. Read it and reread it and ask God to speak to your heart uh, through these uh, wonderful passages. Mark portraying our Lord Jesus as the servant of the king. Well, let me read a few of these beginning verses and comment upon them before, before time runs out on us. It's the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets. Behold, I send my messenger before my thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And they went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized by him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. John was clothed with camel's hair and a girdle of skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey, and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloosed. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And we stop there because verse 9 launches us into a discussion of the baptism of the Lord Jesus himself and then his time in the wilderness. The beginning of the gospel. It occurs to me 
that the Bible is written in a sense of expectation, the beginning of the gospel. That's that's Mark 1.1. I'm going to turn over to Acts because I think I remember something there. Uh, the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began, this is Dr. Luke writing, began both to do and to teach until the day which he was taken up and so on and so on. After words, he showed himself alive and uh, sent the uh, disciples into the upper room and so on. All that he began both to do and to teach, the beginning of the the gospel. As a matter of fact, dear friend, the gospel is still being presented and the Lord Jesus is still doing and teaching, you may say, through spirit-filled believers all across the world. And with the advent of radio and television, that blessed message is now reaching millions every day that would not otherwise have heard it. Surely we must be coming close to the second coming, the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he said that the gospel must be preached among all nations, then shall the end come. I wonder if you're ready for the coming of Christ, are you? The beginning of the gospel includes the preaching of the gospel, uh, the outreach of the gospel by means of Uh, the use of every kind of medium and spirit-filled believers, and it culminates in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you ready for that? If Christ came today, would he find you unprepared? Would he find you unsaved and you'd be left? Or would he find you sleeping on the job and not really ready for his coming? John the Apostle says in his first epistle, Now little children abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed away from him at his coming. Like some guilty little boy with his hand in the cookie jar, hearing the rustle of his mother's petticoats behind him in the doorway, turns around and looks at her with shame and fear because he's been caught doing something he shouldn't. That's John's use there of that verb, ashamed away from him at his coming. Oh, live this minute as you will wish you had lived when your Lord Jesus Christ is here. The beginning of the gospel. Now, another question that I want to ask us at this point is, what is God doing, gospel-wise, in your life today? I meet so many Christians who, although they know the Lord Jesus and have trusted him as Savior, are not really uh, active in any sense in giving out the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And I don't mean that you should be an eager beaver proselyter knocking everyone down whom you meet and while standing on his neck saying, are you prepared to die? That isn't the point. You know that. Different people have different personalities and some of us are very shy and others are more extroverted and it's easier to talk with people. I know that. But God would work through every life to tell people about his son if you let him. Jesus gave us his great commission, and he said, go and preach the gospel to every, every creature. God wants everybody to be saved. Peter says he doesn't want anyone to perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. And the overriding job of every believer is to give out the gospel. Mark says the beginning of the gospel. What is the continuance of the gospel in your life, beloved? No, you don't have to preach sermons. No, you don't have to be an eager, crass, uh, uh, 
ultra-extroverted person who tramples over other people's sensibilities. Let's forget those, those baseless fears. God is not asking you to be anything but yourself, full of the Spirit of God. But like a friend of mine said, he hated to go calling because he just hoped that nobody would, would be home so he wouldn't have to talk to anybody about the Lord. And then he opened his life to the blessed Holy Spirit of God who dwells within the believer. He opened up all of his life to that wonderful Spirit of God. And he found that there was a difference in his motivation and he couldn't wait for opportunities to share the joy that he had in Christ. Let me recommend to you, beloved, that you give some thought and prayer to this matter of what God is doing gospel-wise through your life. Let him do something wonderful as you share Christ with others even today. Dear Father, today, may the gospel be working through our lives. In Jesus' name I pray this, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.